Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Monday, October 23rd, 2023. And our top story today, food prices are expected to rise 5.8% this year. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, David Anderson is a professor and economist with Texas A&M University. David, it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's right in the middle of midterm uh, midterms, right? I mean, the the, the uh, your graduate students are nose down in in the books. Uh, they better be. They've got a test coming up in just a little bit today, so <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, let's not give away all the answers, but I guess we'll see how they how they do. Hopefully, I hope they do well. Our future economists, uh, David. Yeah, fingers crossed. My my toes and fingers are crossed for them. Gosh, I hope they figure it out. Uh, David, let's talk about food prices. Um, we we often check in with you on the, the the impact of agriculture. We've talked about El Nino and some of the weather events. Where do we stand today, generally speaking, with food prices going up, going down, staying stable? Well, you know, generally prices are higher, but it really gets into, for example, you know, I spend more time on the meat side of things. Uh, we continue to have uh, beef prices that are quite close to all-time record high prices uh, at the retail counter. And uh, we've got pork prices that are a touch below a year ago, but rising. Uh, you know, chicken prices are a little uh, a little higher than a year ago right now, but uh, uh, generally, you know, across the whole mix of them, we've got some that are really, that are higher, we got some that are lower. I think one of the more interesting things, particularly this time of the year, is in the turkey side of things, because uh, we're getting pretty close uh, to the big day. And uh, we have uh, we don't really get retail prices, but we get the wholesale prices. And USDA reports these weekly. Uh, and and wholesale turkey prices are roughly half of what they were a year ago. They have really declined. Uh, and so I think that bodes well for some specials come Thanksgiving time. But it, and, and that's really driven by, you know, we've got past avian influenza last year that wiped out so many birds. We had record high prices and it's given time for the industry to respond to high prices and produce more. And so we've got more production. We've got some more supplies available. And so we certainly see lower prices in the wholesale market. Yeah, and as you said that about Thanksgiving, all the turkeys out there watching the program went, they're they're yeah. now like they know yeah. that they're on the unfortunately on the chopping block. David, <laughs> pun intended, yeah. but but I, I guess it does bode well for people hosting Thanksgiving, of course, here in the in America. Um, David, let's talk a little bit about interest rates and um, how how do the how do interest rates, in particular, affect agriculture? and food prices. Do they have an, a direct correlation or is it indirect affecting other parts of the production system? Well, I'd probably start at the kind of growing our food part at the farm. And and practically all farmers borrow money to produce their crop with, to buy all the inputs, seed, fertilizer, you know, herbicides, fuel, everything they buy to produce a crop, 
uh, they tend to borrow money from the banks. So right away, higher interest rates uh, affect our cost of production. And, and given time to adjust, you know, prices have to reflect the underlying cost of production. And so higher interest rates really feed into uh, higher costs. And eventually that means higher prices. Uh, now we could think about some other sides. Uh, uh, so that's producing say corn, soybeans, all of those crops. A lot of those we feed to livestock to produce meat. And so not only that, but livestock producers are borrowing money. And so at each stage of production, you know, there's borrowing going on and higher rates mean, you know, higher costs. Uh, the other thing I would, I would say is, you know, right now, we have we generally have a shrinking cow herd. We've got fewer cows than we did last year than we did the year before, and that's related to drought and profits. Uh, and so, to build that herd, though, I've got to decide. Hey, I can I can hold this young female calf, this heifer. I can hold her back and get her offspring for her life, uh, and start building my herd, or I can sell her right now at these really high prices. And, you know, we could think about that as sort of the present value of the stream of income from that cow and higher rates discount the future more. And so we're really in a, in a time where these higher rates are going to slow expansion of our cow herd to respond to high prices to produce more beef for us. So there's a lot of these interactions throughout the, uh, the agricultural side to, to get to our food prices. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I mean, you're describing this in, in great detail. These are things that I wouldn't even know when you go to pick out your your apples, your beef at the store. This is what impacts the direct prices that you pay. David, last question before we go to a commercial break. Uh, we talked about the war in Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia. Now there's a war in the Middle East, unfortunately, again. How does all this impact or does this have an impact directly on the prices Americans pay um, at the, or will it have an impact on the price Americans will pay at the, at the, uh, the food store? I think it really depends on where it goes from here. I think anytime we have wars like this, it adds uncertainty. It adds volatility to prices, to our underlying commodity prices. So none of, more volatility, more risk probably doesn't help. Uh, but, you know, it, it sort of depends on, does this widen? Does this become more widespread to where it starts affecting uh, oil prices or something like that. Yet, you know, for our food commodity prices, I would think, you know, not a lot of effect. Yeah. Well, let's hope that it doesn't expand uh, into a regional war, God forbid, a world war. David, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more about retail prices and a lot more. I've got some tips ahead. You're going to want to stay tuned right here. BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. 
but what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. David, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Glad to be with you. This is great. Yeah, I'm hoping the, the, to all your economic students, I hope they're all in, nose down in the books and they're ready for their, their upcoming test. Uh, David, let's talk about uh, restaurant. Uh, more Americans continue to go to restaurants. And I find that really interesting because one, restaurants have to raise their prices they have to buy the same food that we're buying, maybe not at the same cost, but they're buying food each and every day to cook up and supply to their uh, patrons. What does this say about, um, I guess, restaurateurs and the retail um, food business? You know, it's it's pretty interesting, and and I think in the in the like you noted in those statistics, folks are still going to restaurants. Uh, we've got, you know, there's some. But in the broader economy, we might think of we got a lot of mixed signals. We know we have inflation. Uh, we also know wage rates are up. Uh, unemployment is historically very low. Interest rates are rising. Yet we still have growing GDP. We have a growing economy. We got people at work. Uh, so we've got we've got this inflation. Yet we've also got this growth. And how that you know I think that's a lot of mixed signals for. Uh, just the overall economy and where we think things are going. And restaurants are an interesting example because uh, it looks like people continue to go to restaurants, even though we face higher prices, uh, higher costs for restaurateurs, and, and a struggle for them too, because their costs are going up. They may or may not be able to pass on those costs in terms of that that plate because they you know they got to put a plate on that table in front of you that meets a price point that folks are still willing and able to pay. And so, you know, I think I think they face some struggles on that side, yet generally people are still going to restaurants. They're still, you know, if we look at some of these different food item categories, one of the, the striking things to me is, is uh, beef demand. People are still buying beef, even though we are at record high prices. People are still buying. Now, I, th I think there is some evidence of people switching and maybe moving away from a more expensive cut to a cheaper cut but they're still buying beef. And so 
that demand picture has been, I think, one of the surprising things for all of us livestock market analysts around that demand picture for beef, for instance, has been a real surprise to us. We would have thought, you know, gosh, we ought to see some pullback. But so far, we really haven't. And, and let's also add that people are a lot of times charging the restaurant uh, bill on their credit card, credit card uh, balances going through the roof. Uh, David, you talked about tastes, and I don't mean the taste of beef, but ha- are, are consumers shifting their tastes? You, you mentioned beef still in demand. And look, I, as long as there have been human beings, we've been eating beef, although we've also started for, you know, we were foraging nuts and vegetables and things like that back in the right. back in the day. But have consumer tastes really pivoted, uh, at least when they're buying food retail-wise? You know, I think they have. And, you know, if we went back, say, to the, uh, uh, let's say, gosh, in the 70s, particularly the, the later 70s, you know, we had the whole, what we call the diet health hypothesis, that fat's bad, red meat's bad, don't eat it. Uh, the first dietary guidelines came out and really, you know, people changed what they ate. Now, some was a, was price related because, you know, overall chicken became cheaper than beef. And, and I'm an economist. I think prices matter a heck of a lot. And, and people started buying the cheaper product, the, the, the lower price product. But within that is this diet health idea. And so we had this big pullback against, uh, really we're going to eat less fat. We're going to eat less red meat. Butter's included in that, you know, less fat. Yet that, I think that pendulum has swung back the other way because I think people have realized a couple of things. One is uh, fat delivers a lot of taste, uh, particularly as we look at meat, uh, beef, for instance, uh, that, that flavor, that stuff people like. So the big growth in demand has been in products with a USDA quality grade of prime or high choice. Uh, your certified Angus beef, your uh, the various other branded products that they have more marbling. This, you know, and I think people have moved that way. If we look at butter, per capita consumption of butter is the highest in fifty years. Uh, we have swung back to that. And and if we thought about people who are interested in a uh, uh, maybe a cleaner label, a more if I can use the term natural product, I don't think natural really means much, but. When, you, when I buy butter and I look at that label, what's it say? Cream, milk, salt. That's the only thing there. And and so compared to maybe a, a product that is more processed. And so I think we've got this pendulum swing, this change in consumer tastes and preferences towards uh, these other items, really away from uh, what we used to think was was more healthy. I think we've we've learn more and we're changing. Yeah, I always I always think it comes down to this is my own personal opinion, comes down to whoever is funding the research, you know, usually can switch the pendulum. But, you know, call me a skeptic. David, you're not a media, you're not a meteorologist. You're a professor, you're a teacher, you're an economist. What should we be looking out for as we head? We're in the fall. So we're in the uh, autumnal equinox. We're about to enter winter. Uh, what should we be? What should we be looking for when it comes to weather patterns and how the weather patterns could affect food production? Oh, I think that's a that's an interesting idea. In that, I would look at at that that we've moved to this El Nino period, and and El Nino periods are correlated with uh, cooler, wetter winters in 
the part of the world I'm in, Texas, the Southwest, but it's also correlated with warmer, drier conditions, say in the Midwest. And the Midwest, the Corn Belt is where we produce the bulk of the corn in the US. So uh, if you looked at the drought monitor map, you would see a lot of colored in areas across the Midwest and Corn Belt, which indicates some, some stage of drought. And so what we really look for is what kind of soil moisture do we have come spring to plant the next crop with? And I think that's a real key because so much of our corn and soybeans uh, goes to livestock production. It's a basic underlying feed stuff. And so what I would look for is do we see drought developing there in the critical planting time? Uh, and then do we see some uh, rain that gives us some hope down here for drought recovery? And and so I think that's kind of the longer th term thing to look at if I was kind of watch watch weather stuff and longer term stuff. I think that's pretty important for uh, food production next year. And these are the food prices. David, we're going to have to leave it there. Good luck to your students on their exam. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks. I look forward to it. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the change. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.